Welcome to the Planted Mindset podcast, uh, which is sponsored by Sassy 10, an online fitness and nutrition program that I have personally designed for mums that will not only transform their body, but their mindset too. It is a structured plan with accountability and support throughout the journey that guarantees it will sculpt a stronger and sexier you in 10 weeks for you to regain your sassy. Follow Sassy in 10 on Instagram and click the link in the bio to find out more. Today's episode is with Philip Bryden, Mush Nutrition founder, certified sports nutrition specialist. He's also certified in integrative nutrition, plant-based nutrition, human anatomy and physiology. He is an RYT200 certified yoga instructor and is the founder of the Mush Foundation. So I'm looking forward to recording this episode with Phil to talk about everything plant-based, everything nutrition, but also his book that he has written, You Are Beautiful, and talk about some of the philosophies in there, Ayurveda. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Plantative Mindset podcast and as always I'm absolutely thoroughly enjoying recording episodes with amazing guests that are so kind to come onto the show and share their wisdom, expertise and knowledge and today I have Philip Bryden. So hi Phil, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thanks so much for having me Natasha. Oh no, thank you, thank you. Uh, could you tell the listeners, Phil, a little bit about yourself? And uh, and I mean, it's going to be quite hard for you to do that in a short elevator pitch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been quite a rather circuitous path thus far, but it all kind of it all kind of leads together. Um, so earlier earlier in my life, I spent a lot of time in sports broadcasting, uh, primarily sort of outdoor sports like cycling, marathons, triathlons, that kind of thing. Anything that was shot off a motorcycle was, was my gig, um, as well as other sports like tennis and, and you know, rugby and other, other sports in the broadcasting world. So that was where my original background was. I've done that for, for longer than I care to admit. Um, and quite a few years ago, I thought, okay, well, I really want to get something parallel to this um, that allowed me to sort of give back and get into a more proactive kind of interaction with the athletes. And I've always been interested in nutrition. So that became sort of that parallel path was, okay, let's go back to school. Um, you know, put on the student hat again and, and, and learn, learn everything I need to know so that I can go in and, and actually have an impact and coach some of these athletes that I've been spending so much time around in the broadcasting world. So that's what I did a few years ago was go back to school and get uh, get a few diplomas and certifications in sports nutrition, plant-based nutrition, anatomy, physiology, integrative nutrition, a whole slew of different things. So in a, in a rather... Um, loosely fitting nutshell <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of my my story yeah i mean i i have looked on your um, instagram and uh, yeah i saw obviously lots of uh, tennis pictures cycling and some nasty sort of pictures of uh, cycle accidents and things and yeah i mean obviously the photography there uh, some some great shots as well some really epic shots um which obviously lend themselves really well to instagram don't they well, that's the thing. I mean, Instagram is it's 
it's it's mainly a visual thing. I mean, it's a gr it's a great success if somebody actually reads <laughs> the caption of what's being written, which is what all the information is. But it's primarily something visual. So if you want to catch somebody's eye and and get them to maybe spend a little bit more time lingering on what you are putting out there, um, the visual is kind of the main the main thing on that on that outlet. Yeah, I mean, lots of Tour de France in there as well. Well, I've done the tour for two, two and a half decades now. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of a lot of time spent in the cycling and endurance world, sort of as a as a whole. But the pro cycling uh, world has been that's been sort of my my bread and butter for a long, long time. And obviously, you're an avid cyclist yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, I always have been. I, it's when I first I first came to Europe, my first trip to Europe back, you know, after I graduated from uni, was take a bike tour. And I so I came over and brought my bike and rode around Bavaria and you know that sort of part of the world for a couple of weeks, and then carried on and rode in through through Switzerland and into France. So yeah, and then that led me to sort of bike touring through Europe for three months out of the year. So wow. yeah, it's I and it's still something I do. I was out on I was out on a ride earlier today before we before we're recording this. So yeah, it's kind of a daily, <laughs> it's my daily dose of freedom. <laughs> yes, yes, I was I was out as well. I was uh, running, so I did a, a little a little five k, not a fast one, because I was actually um, hosting a clubhouse room at the time. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the distance is always the same. It just depends on how long it takes you to get from point A to point B. So it's it's still a five k. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was still a five k. Yeah, and I, I was huffing chuffing just a little bit, um, obviously. So it was good when when uh, the, the lady that was on there was speaking, so I could actually mute not just the traffic but also. My my heavy breathing <laughs> but um i've got a copy of your book here um that you sent me and thank you very much for the kind note that you wrote in there um the book you are beautiful a new perspective on health and nutrition um you write about um ayurveda if i've said that right philosophy and food that, that food is medicine and medicine is food um and that when the diet is wrong uh, medicine is no use that's you know some of the quotes that were put in there uh, could you briefly expand on those six stages of disease um, that you've written about in there an accumulation um, aggravation spread localization manifestation and complication yeah I mean in as a global thing I mean we could get super super in into the deep dive but as a sort of an overview the whole theory of Ayurveda is that it's not one thing, it's not a, a reductionist point of view, much like Western medicine has tended to be, which has given rise to, you know, discovery of penicillin, discovery of medicines, you know, development, development of, of different treatments for specific diseases and that kind of thing. So it, has, it definitely has its place, that eye to the microscope kind of approach to things. But Ayurveda is much more of a broad perspective on health and well-being. I mean, it's it's the oldest healthcare system in the world. It's been around for thousands of th thousands of years and is still practiced today. So the whole the whole concept of Ayurveda, where I found things to be very approachable and manageable for each person, is that each person is different, and that each person for for physical health 
the overall picture of you as a person, as a holistic being with a W, that whole person, mm-hmm. which, which is environment, it's how your existential view of the world is, what, your, what foods you eat, how much water you drink, how you sleep, how you see yourself, your relationship with your family and with friends and with other people. Those are all part of the puzzle that goes into overall health and well-being. And if you remove one of those pieces or one of those pieces isn't getting proper attention and starts to atrophy, much like a muscle would atrophy, then that leads to imbalance. And the whole point of Ayurveda and those six stages of, of the, sort of the succession of into, into disease is keeping things in balance. And your body is, is a fantastic machine that's built to maintain balance regardless of what you throw at it. That's what our whole endocrine system is set up to do. Um, so if all of those things are in play and all of those things are being looked after and taken care of in the best possible way that you can at that time in your life, then everything kind of swells to an even level and your health, your physical health and your mental health and everything else just kind of rises along with it. If you take one of those, one of those puzzle pieces out, things get off kilter and your body is going to do physically whatever it can to reestablish balance. And sometimes that reestablishment of balance is such a hard endeavor that it can create disease along the way. And your body will still do that. It will forego some things that aren't critical for life at that given moment in order to ensure things that are critical for life at that given moment, even if for the long term that balance is tenuous and can fall apart. Yeah, I think we do underestimate how amazing our bodies are because we take it for granted. Um, and, and like you say, everything that we throw at it, when you actually drill down, you think, my goodness, because so many of the functions are being done subconsciously. We're not even aware, you know, like the power of the breath, you know, we're doing that all of the time, otherwise we'd be dead. Um, yet we, you know, breath work and understanding there are things that I'm sort of moving into that the power of the breath and, and how that physiology can change our state, um, our muscles, our central nervous system, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like you say, those knock on effects, how it builds up. And as um, Dr. Joe Dispenza said, a body uh, um, disease is a body that's going to get disease. And, mm-hmm. you know, you go, oh, wow, that makes sense over time, over time time over time isn't it well that's the thing and that's that accumulation kind of thing and that's where where it's very difficult for a lot of people to pay close attention to it because the investment and the discipline and the commitment to a certain kind of lifestyle that you know some people might go well i don't need to eliminate alcohol i don't need to i can still eat meat i can still do this i can still smoke once in a while if i want to and all these kind of things because they don't, there's, there's no, or rarely an immediate effect. There's no like cause and effect. You're not going to smoke one cigarette and drop dead, you know? So, but if you have that one cigarette over time, eventually that will add up and further down the road in the future, there will be a, there will be a consequence to pay. And that's where it's very difficult for people to kind of put that together, especially especially younger people. I think as you get a little bit older in life, you start to understand that things have, have a little bit of a buildup to them. 
but when you're in your 20s and 30s you're invincible and everything is everything is is great you're in, you know if you've taken more or less good care of your body you're in you're in fine shape and you've overcome all of these little bumps in the road and it's like well no big deal but when you get to be 50 60 70 years old all those bumps in the road becomes become mountains to climb and some start to hurt <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> And, and so, so yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to get your head around that sort of prolonged investment in the future. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they say, don't they, that when we're young, we value wealth over health, but as we get older, we value wealth over our wealth. And that's probably because things start to hurt a little bit more. Um, but we have that tendency, don't we, to only seek help uh, when things are, causing pain when actual fact we should be looking after our body all the time to avoid the pain in the first place not to say that we're not going to get inflammation and pain and things happen in your lifestyle environment that they're, they're, they're going to apart and even if you're the healthiest person going that doesn't mean that you're going to avoid you know uh, some sort of disease because you know that's part and parcel but you absolutely can have um, an important role and factor like going back to that food is medicine mm -hmm. as to what you put in your body to to mediate the damage that you potentially are doing so um obviously um whether people are plant-based or not in chapter eight of your book it still rings true that you are what you eat and and obviously that comes back down to like fiber and so whether you still eating meat it's about eating more vegetables can you explain obviously in your own words as to why it's so important well yes um the, the whole idea of you are what you eat is really that your body is responsive to and made up of the things that you're ingesting i mean that's 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 pretty kind of self-explanatory but the if you want to break it down, we have in, in our, our, our gut, right? Well, this is a, just a basic overview. You, you have the, your gut microbiome, which consists of trillions of bacteria. Those bacteria can either proliferate in a positive way, or there are the sort of more downtrodden forms of bacteria that proliferate when they're fed the wrong foods. And they are completely <laughs> dependent on what you're feeding to them. And the entirety of your gut microbiome regenerates 50 times over, over a 24 hour cycle. So what you eat in a meal will determine how your gut microbiome is reacting. And that can have a tipping effect in one direction or the other. So if you're eating a lot of processed foods, plant, um, animal foods or dairy, right? Meat, dairy, fish, processed oils, sugars, that kind of thing those feed certain bacteria that when they encounter those foods, they create a substance called TMAO, right? Now TMAO then gets distributed out through the body because the gut bacteria kind of feed that stuff into, into the body's tissues, right? So TMAO then gets into the body and is a trigger for inflammation. So if that trigger for inflammation is continuous and ongoing, that inflammation becomes chronic inflammation and chronic inflammation then becomes disease down the road. So, and those are directly related to animal products. Animal proteins create the insulin growth factor, mm -hmm. right? Insul IGF-1, yeah. 
animal proteins create, they, they reinforce that. And that has been shown to be a direct cause of different forms of cancer. So it's really a trigger. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's the most direct trigger to disease that we could probably identify. And that doesn't goes, it, doesn't sorry. it obviously certain, I mean, obviously in processed meats, but uh, acts as a carcinogen in the body of the byproduct of what our, when we're metabolizing the, mm -hmm. the meat, it's the, the byproduct of that metabolization that causes that carcinogen in the body. Well, that's right. And the, and the processed meats and, you know, smoked meats, processed meats, sausages, bacons, that kind of thing, that's been classified as a class one carcinogen to the same level as cigarettes and asbestos. <laughs> and regular, just regular meat, just beef is classed as a class two carcinogen. So it is, it is def, it's not just the processed form. It's just the processed form is a little bit more concentrated and has more um, direct negative side effects, but meat in and of itself is also, is also leading down that road. So to get back to the little, the portrayal of the gut microbiome, if you're eating plant-based or, or a primarily plant-based diet, the fiber is what feeds the gut microbiome, right? You have soluble fiber and insoluble fiber the insoluble fiber is not broken down by your digestive system. It does not go into feeding anything into your body, right? There's no macros, there's no micros in, in vitamins, minerals, all that stuff in the actual fiber itself. That fiber goes through your, goes through your intestinal tract, somewhat like a little bit of a broom sweeper, kind of keeping, you know, keeping, keeping the house clean and winds up in your large intestine where it encounters the gut microbiome. And that fiber feeds the bacteria that are the healthy bacteria. Yeah. Because by eating the fiber, those bacteria then produce short chain fatty acids. And short chain fatty acids are sort of the key that unlocks the door to cellular health, cognitive health, and all sorts of just positive health benefits. And if those are crowding out the bacteria that are creating the TMAO, then the TMAO doesn't proliferate and the TMAO bacteria don't proliferate and don't have as much of a chance to send that inflammatory stuff into the system because they're getting, they're getting pushed out by the, by the positive bacteria. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, with the fiber, um, you know, it's, it's, we can't sort of scoot around this, we're talking about gut, so it's going to be about poop. Um, but, but interestingly, um, you know, the, the rates of digestion, as you put in your book of, of fiber, fibrous foods, as opposed to obviously the meats, um, and why it's important to have, uh, you know, obviously, stuff moving through the digestional tract. Um, and like some people may think it's quite normal to poop once a week when in actual fact that you know you, you're you're storing and holding on to so much toxin you know and it should be mm. that continuous flow and being plant-based that was one of the biggest things i did notice a shift in the shall we say it, the movements <laughs> yeah. well and, and that's healthy it's if 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 you're if you're i mean if you look at your body like a factory right and you're putting you're putting the, the, the prime material into the factory 
and nothing is being produced by the factory. You've got all these workers running around like crazy doing things in the assembly lines and all these things happening. And at the end of a week or at the end of a day, you get one little product that comes out of that factory. It's not a very efficient factory. Whereas if you're putting different prime material into that factory and all of a sudden everything's sort of moving and you know, there's as much work going on, but the production of, of output is continuous and it's, and it's regular and it's, and it's, you know, of, it's of quantity, then that factory is moving through and being very productive and doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is the same as the body. I like that analogy. Yeah, it's being efficient. And obviously, the whole point in that is that continuous flow and not holding on to anything for the body to to have to, yeah, store and, and those toxins build up. So if you're, like you said, the fibers almost cleansing through and, you know, keeping that equilibrium. Well, and that's the thing, if you're eating, if you're continuously eating foods that are very, very slow to digest, I mean, we're talking two to three days to actually get processed through the system because they're devoid of fiber, meat products, dairy products, that kind of thing. Every time you eat something, right, if your digestive process is still going on, every time you eat something, it stops the digestive process because it's starting a new process. So it can't have the sort of the, the third floor and the ground floor working at the same time. So the third floor is coming in because that needs the most attention because it's food and it needs to be broken down. So that really needs to be handled because otherwise it's, it's your body's not going to be able to handle it. So that all of a sudden gets broken down and it's going into your stomach and everything else and everything else you've got that road worker there with the stop sign holding, you know, holding traffic back and waiting for, waiting for this other food to catch up basically. And then you go, okay, now we can go. And then two hours later, you're having some more food or you're having another steak or you're having chicken and that's going to take all that stuff. So that's why all of a sudden it's just, it becomes almost impossible for things to move and be absorbed and assimilated into the body with any kind of with any kind of efficiency yeah no i like that analogy yeah and that's why you end up with undigested food and yeah like they say that you can potentially have uh, you think you're you know, even if you are irritating your bowels on a daily basis you you must still not be clearing everything mm. out um, and that's what's quite interesting. Um, so with regards to obviously talking about that, um, you mentioned in the book about um, foods that you should be eating, um, you know, obviously known as superfoods and, and which ones to, to avoid, obviously, that is going to help with that equilibrium. Could you, obviously, there's quite a long list of the, the, the favourites, uh, the, the foods. So could you just give us three of your favourites and why you've picked them in particular over some of the others and maybe two crucial foods that you should absolutely avoid? Sure. I mean, the term superfood, I use it in, in the book just because it was kind of broken down between foods that have, you know, good impact, foods that have a really good impact because they're so chock full of of different nutrients and then the adaptogens which are the herbs and spices which change up things so superfood is not something i mean if you eat if you only eat goji berries because it's a superfood you're not going to be doing very well so superfoods are additions to your diet that just have this really concentrated hit 
of vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, and all those kind of things. So I, in my daily, my daily kind of go-tos with that, that I include in everything, well, in everything that I include daily is raw spinach, which usually finds its way into my morning smoothie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Goji berries, because I quite like, quite like the gojis. I like them, but I've heard that there's, if you buy them, depending on from which country, they can be uh, not, I've had this with, and I obviously I'm careful what I say here, but but certain productions of goji berries, the quality is not as good. And Correct. it's not as easy to source the really ones. So like being mindful of the ones that you're getting from the supermarket, that they may not be that good. Exactly. You want to get you want to get something. I mean, generally, and this is a horrible thing to say, but generally, if you're getting goji berries in there as the same price as raisins, they're probably not great because usually goji berries are quite pricey. Um, but you only need a small get dose of those to get the get the huge benefits that they have. Um, but yes, spinach. So spinach, goji, and I quite like the frozen blueberries actually. Frozen blueberries. And the reason is, so here's the deal with blueberries. If you, if the blueberries are frozen, it actually increases the level of antioxidants that they have. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. That's on my list. We we have blueberries every day um, and they're fridge. They're in the fridge because they're fresh, but I also do buy uh, frozen berries and cherries uh, so I think, I don't know if there are blueberries, but I can buy actually frozen blueberries. Right, that's on my list for this weekend then. <laughs> because, the, because the actual process of freezing the, the blueberries increases the potency of the antioxidants. And just as a side note, frozen frozen fruit is fantastic. It's, it's sometimes, and this sounds quite counterintuitive, sometimes the frozen fruit can be more nutritious than fresh fruit because the frozen fruit is picked at the at its at it, at its peak of ripeness and it's frozen at its peak of ripeness so all of those nutrients are locked in at that time and there's nothing lost in in that process of freezing whereas the fresh fruit oftentimes it's picked and then it's shipped and you know spends a few days in the back of a truck or in a warehouse ripening in a dark room which is mm-hmm. kind of diminishing those those nutrients so the frozen the frozen fruit and veg is if fresh stuff isn't available like from a farmer's market obviously that's going to be your best bet but if that's not available then the frozen options are quite quite good sure and the two things that you absolutely think people should avoid or or that you make sure you avoid or can i include meat and dairy yeah yeah Yeah. i mean yeah because you're plant-based so yeah yeah meat meat and dairy for sure and that goes all meats all animal flesh fish lamb chicken beef and dairy yeah yeah i mean uh, it's it's one of those things that obviously um i i have clients that that i'm whilst i'm plant-based obviously i have clients that aren't and in my family i'm the only one that is plant-based so it's mm-hmm. it's uh actually you know pushing out of the norm because again i think it's very much a societal thing um it's the way that you were brought up um so i was raised in well that's how you live because that's how my parents were raised and that's how their parents were raised meat veg you know and obviously i think the soil was much better obviously 
you know, um, in the 50s and, you know, there probably was allotments and growing. So they, you know, probably ate more healthily, but they still ate the, the meat. But it's interesting about um, Dr. Esselstein, you know, he came from a dairy farm, <laughs> you know, and then went plant based. And I've, I've, I've heard that of a lot of um, individuals that I've listened to that have been, you know, turn to based eating, but actually have been around animals. Um, so it's interesting to do that one, 180. How long have you been um, plant-based, Phil? Well, I, it kind of came in two phases, actually. Um, I was I was completely, completely plant-based um, when I was living in, Cal I grew up in California. So when I was living in California before I moved to Europe in sort of the late 80s, I was completely plant-based there for about five years, five, six years. And it was quite, I mean, it was, it certainly is easier now. It's easy there now because everything is, is available, but California was quite progressive back then even. And it was quite, it was quite easy to, to, to be plant-based then. Um, so then I packed up and moved to France <laughs> in the early <laughs> <No>. 90s. <laughs> and let's just say it was sort of the antithesis of living in a California mentality. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, well, the thing is like you'd, I would go and, you know, and it, it was, it was quite important to me then when I was making the move, I knew that I didn't want to move back to the States. So it was really important to me to do everything I could to, to become part of the French culture, to fit in with the French culture. And, you know, I hadn't moved away from the States to go find myself with a bunch of American expats. So I was really kind of embedding myself in, in everything French, in the French culture. I, you know, I was working with French. I had my, my friends were French. So it was like, that was my sort of adopted culture. And progressively as I was there and rather quickly, I found it quite difficult to actually find anything to eat. You know, obviously everything's available, but you know, you're going to friends' houses, you're going to restaurants and, you know, I wasn't really cooking that much back then. Um, and you'd say, okay, well, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan. And they'd say, well, okay, well, here's some chicken <laughs> or here's, here's some fish. And so it just kind of became this thing that for the, the desire to kind of become part of that culture took precedence over with the reasons that I had given up all of that stuff earlier. Um, so I kind of got back into a more omnivorous lifestyle. And then it kind of hit a tipping point six years ago, six, seven years ago, where I was just like, done, I'm back, <laughs> back to where I was. I'm um, keen to know, did you notice a dis difference? Um, you know, obviously it'd be a slow, well, maybe it wouldn't be a slow burn of, of obviously changing that diet of either the body resisting it or feeling sluggish or not feeling as good you know what observations did you take you know it's almost like an experiment isn't it um of going because they say about the markers of what changes if we have been plant-based for a long time we've sort of got that store to to help us because they've done tests haven't they on people that have then gone to eat meat that have been previously plant-based and those that are meat eaters and about that tmo effect and it not having much of an effect um, so maybe you, you had enough ammunition in you to sort of protect for a while, but did that deplete over time? And then you started to feel a bit crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it totally did. I mean, it was, it was over time. I found myself just feeling, feeling a little bit more tired, not necessarily having the same energy levels that I had and 
getting sick more often, you know, just catching, get just, just colds and, you know, sort of runny noses and that kind of just sort of, you know, just get, just feeling a little bit under the weather and getting sore throats and that kind of stuff found that happening way more frequently than I ever had in California where I was never sick. I mean, I was never sick. And I kind of, um, I kind of just brushed that off as saying, okay, well, I'm now no longer living in Southern California. I'm living in Northern Europe. So it's a different, if it's, it's a different climate, it's a, di I mean, it was, I've never been colder than those first few years when I was living, <laughs> when I was living in Paris compared to where I had come from, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was always, it was always 15 Freezing. degrees. You know, it's like normal. So I just kind of put all that, all of those kind of, feelings physical feelings off to living in a colder climate living in a different country and just kind of adjusting to that um but i also had i had quite a few allergies that kind of came back that had gone away yeah. um yeah i mean so. that, uh, the dairy can be the culprit for that can't it and um it's interesting that you're saying about uh, obviously how you felt physically and see a lot of the time we don't maybe we're not even aware of how our bodies should feel. So we don't know when there's a difference to when it's not working as optimally as it should. And that's why people unfortunately succumb to certain disease because the body's given us warning signs, but they're just sort of not being heard because there's too many signals going. Um, and I know obviously your, your grandfather passed away quite young, obviously 49 and your dad, sorry to hear that as well, obviously, you know, you, you've documented that in your book about his um, slow demise through disease of what he had, but also about what what I found, dare I say, interesting was was the way that you explained it with his belief in the medical profession and what they say goes. And you know, how did you find that with your different outlook and that you know it's not we are what we eat because there is a divide isn't there between you know that respecting the profession of, of medicine but also knowing your own body and perhaps doing something because they're always at the end of saying well there's a pill to fix the underlying issue rather than going back to perhaps the cause and if we actually sorted the cause in the first place we wouldn't need the pill for the the end thing mm. so how, how did you find that seeing your dad go through that and he's view on on life and what it is just how it is so a little a little tiny bit of background so and again I kind of I go into this a little bit more in the book but um so my dad was was born in Europe my dad was born in Switzerland in 1930 and with his parents they went to the states to escape the persecution and world war that was kind of rising prior to the beginning of World War II. Um, they spent a couple of years in Cuba waiting for visas. Then they came over. His dad lived on the West Coast. His mom lived on the East Coast while they were both looking for work. They were both artists back in where they lived in, in Germany. And my dad was seven years old when he, when he left. So he arrives in the States. He's nine years old and is kind of trying to find his, trying to find his way and the whole thing. So anyway, moved down 10 years later and his, his dad passes away at the age of 49 from a combination of lung cancer and colon cancer. So definitely lifestyle effects. And there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole psychological part of things of being uprooted and, you know, going from sort of the top of the heap to being 
where you don't even see the heap anymore. Um, you know, so that all has that kind of that kind of holistic effect of you know you pull the plug on one thing and everything else kind of topples over as well. So um, so my dad kind of saw the illness that his father died from saw that I think subconsciously and sometimes consciously saw that as like inevitable in inevitability that that would be his that would be his demise you know because the doctors and still today the doctors say well colon cancer is a hereditary disease well yes you have genetic markers if you have parents who have had that but it's not a done deal that those genetic markers are going to find their voice you can give them a voice or, yeah exactly so my dad saw that and was like okay well that's that's how it is my dad was a scientist right he worked he worked for a subsidiary of nasa and was involved in the 60s in the first you know satellite launches and the first apollo launches and that was his deal he was science minded and so he put it was, it was kind of a conundrum because he would put all of that critical thinking that is inherent to kind of being a research scientist. He put all of that critical thinking on a back burner and gave all the power to another form of scientist, the medical doctor. So when a doctor would say, this is what it is, my dad's point of view was, well, who am I to question this other person? They've spent, you know, X amount of years studying this is their field of expertise just like that doctor wouldn't come in and talk about space exploration and tell me what i'm doing wrong so it's a level of respect that he was offering them at the expense of his own health yes yes that's a good way of looking at it um the problem is that the western medical structure is set up to as you mentioned previously to treat the symptom, you've got, you're showing this. Oh, okay, well, let's treat that. I mean, my dad went through this domino of, of warning signs. You know, he went through kidney stones. He went through gout. He went through, um, I'm just trying to think what else it was in the order. It, when he went through a heart attack, got stents. He went through gallbladder removal. He went through type two diabetes. So you've got all of these speed bumps, you know, along the way. And every time it's the doctors aren't saying, hey, you know what, Jim, we should maybe take a take a step back and see what's causing all these dominoes to fall, all these specific dominoes, because they're not, you know, just random. They're all related and they're all kind of going down the same pathway. And none of the doctors ever sat back and said, you know, let's take a look at what's making all this happen. They would look saying, okay, well, this is what's happening. And it's great because we've got this great new technology where we can, you know, break up your kidney stones by sound waves, or we can, you know, do all, take care of this with this drug. And all of a sudden, you know, toward the end of his life, my dad was, had this kitchen cabinet full of different drugs for different symptoms without ever having one of the one of the doctors sit back and go okay let's look at your lifestyle let's look at what you're putting into your factory that is causing the factory to malfunction 
Yeah, mm. I, do, I mean, when you when I read that, it was it was really quite powerful. And what you say about is is that holistic whole with a W approach, and that that's that's what the issue is. And I think it's not that patients sometimes don't want that holistic approach. It isn't out there for you know one person to take responsibility for your whole being. So my dad's got a myriad of health issues himself, but. You, you go to this place for, for that, you go there for something else, you go there for something else. And like you say, his factory is malfunctioning, but there isn't one person to say, okay, pull back, pull back. Um, I mean, obviously, naturally, I have said, Dad, look, you know, you've got prostate cancer, you can still help yourself, mm-hmm. you go plant-based, but again, there's the level of understanding and whether there is resistance sometimes out of fear, um, and in respect, I think that is a there's a key point there of well, I don't not want to do what they say. Um, and I, I think I noticed that mostly when I was pregnant um, with my, my first and second ch- ch- children, that it differed, that that information differed from first to second. And then that's when you know how fickle it is. So that then makes you question it because you go, well, but you still are scared because if you don't, and something happens, you're going to feel guilty because they said, you know, and it's the same with COVID, really. So it's well, putting fear into us. And the thing, the thing is, it's like if if you if if medicine and self care was part of the general evolution of life, that that's what we were taught when we we're youngsters. That's what we're taught through school and even not out of school. That's how that's how the society looks at health is. Okay, well, do this to prevent this, do this to prevent this, and you'll just be kind of building your own healthcare system. But our society doesn't work like that. And so as a result, you're absolutely right. When you when you do wind up going and you've got something that's kind of gone down this path where it's so bad now that you're actually going to see a specialist. It's so bad that you're seeing the specialist, and the specialist is saying, okay, well, listen you're at a point now where it's almost to the point of no return. So we've got to do this. And it's very difficult at that point to kind of go, you know what? Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to make a U-turn and go back up this whole road and then see what else is up there. You're already, you're already down in the Valley and you don't have that overview and you don't have that necessary, the mental or the physical wherewithal to go, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not just going to buy what the doctor says. You're already on your back foot, you're off balance, and you're thinking, excuse my language, but you're thinking, what the fuck, you know, basically. And the doctor's saying, hold on a second, we can do something. Mm-hmm. And so you just go, okay, just let's do it. Well, you've lost your confidence, like you say, when you've got that far down, that confidence is gone, isn't it? Yeah, and you've got someone there saying, I know what to do, you know, in... I think things are changing now in, in perhaps our generation and certainly in the generations behind us. I think things are hap- happening now where people are taking a little bit more responsibility or at least being encouraged to take a little bit more responsibility for what happens in their own stream of helpfulness. Um, but when you, you know, in my dad's generation, certainly, it was not that. It was the doctor is the doctor. And who are you to question? You didn't go to medical school. You know, so. 
but like you said in the book, and I've I've come across this before, they uh, medical uh, practitioners, um, unless they go into the field of nutrition, have very minimal nutritional training. Um, you know, so so they're <laughs> they're not normally. Um, probably any more skilled than yourself and also the other point is that you know people are talking more about the gut and obviously the nerves going upwards um, enteric up to the brain I think there's a lot more focus on that so so we are sort of shifting that we are our own doctors and perhaps to trust our gut and get back to that intuitive uh, thought pattern of eating and not rely on others to solve our problems and that we have more power than we realize but I think obviously unfortunately certainly in in america it's paid uh, medical so mm -hmm. so there's always going to be that element of selling you down one road because that's what pays um it's different obviously in the uk with the nhs but i still think we all have to take a little bit more responsibility and it's interesting as you said in the book that not one person questioned your father on his diet which is which is is mind-blowing but i just want to ask i mean sorry to interrupt they when you talk about the doctors having you know not so much education in nutrition seven hours is the average in at least in in North American medical schools, seven hours over a seven year, not counting internships, seven year education, seven hours, and yeah, most Dr. of that. Gregor put in his book, he said that there was uh, they tried to bring in a bill um, of so many hours to increase it, increase it, increase mm -hmm. it, and then it got knocked down, knocked back, knocked back, reduced back, reduced back till they until it yeah. Yeah, and even the nutrition that they're talking about, all they're talking about is the nutrition, like the nutritive elements that can go into certain diseases or certain cures, but they're not actually teaching about the power of nutrition. I mean, that was that was my first week of my first class was, well, my first day of my first class was seven hours and I've done you know a few years of of classwork so it's 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 a completely backwards it's a completely backwards deal yeah i mean so so phil obviously because i'm conscious of your time uh in your toolbox so, so we we talk talk about people having a toolbox of you know either strategies or systems or things that they do um, and it could be that you just saying i'm plant-based that's one of my tools but uh what what would you say are three tools in your toolbox that you have that help you navigate life and obviously help you um deal with the curveball we get first oh gosh um i think exercise is a big one for me I think just just being outside is is huge for me. Um, that changes everything. I'm, I now live I now live just outside just out south of Barcelona, so it's much more of a California type of climate than I was in previously. <laughs> um, so so I'm outside every day, and that to me is is kind of the key to not only mental health, but physical health, because you're moving, you're active, you're doing sport, you're doing, you know, you're going for walks. You're, it's just, it's, it's an outdoor lifestyle, which for me is, is key. Um, I think my, I think my dietary choices, my nutritional choices are, they suit me down to a T and I feel very comfortable and very happy in doing those. I feel very empowered um, by those choices. And I think it's important to feel, like you're empowering yourself to make moves forward. 
Um, and I think it's I think it's important to for me anyway to take time and find gratitude, really. You know, more than anything else. Actually, I would probably put that one um, before everything else because if you if I mean, there's always something that you can be grateful for. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people overlook is just the idea of gratitude. So um, I think that's the, that's where it starts. That's the top of the pyramid and then everything else kind of, kind of goes. Oh, the down. tools in your toolbox, they're, they're pretty cool. And I do think, again, there's a lot more talk about uh, practicing uh, gratitude and, and I do that. Um, and a lot of people do in their journals, but it's fun to actually not just write in it, but actually feeling it. So it's, it's thinking gratitude, but it's actually feeling it from your heart, isn't it? And that's a difference to actually get into that emotion because that's when you're actually really getting your central nervous system. And, and when you're tapping in physically, you can't then be pissed off about something. So, so again, if you're stressed, then you are naturally calming your, your parasympathetic nervous system down. So there's an element to that of why you do it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, you know, it's so easy to say, well, I'm just be, be grateful. Well, it's not quite, it's not quite that easy. It is, it is really a, a choice of the vision that you seek in, in, in your daily experience. You know, it's not a lifestyle. It's not a thing that you do once in a while. It's just a way of perceiving yourself in the world and the world toward yourself. It's just creating a different kind of interaction, a different kind of reaction to things. And the funny thing is, is that doing that, I mean, there's science behind it, but doing that changes the neurotransmitters. It changes the chemistry that is affecting your brain. And that has this whole nother set of this whole other set of dominoes that 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 fall in line with that that just kind of allow for that to keep going and keep prospering and proliferating in a really positive way. So yeah, that's that's that would be the top of the pyramid for me. I, I love that because you can sort of say like going into gratitude, law of attraction universe woo woo and all that but it's actually when they they mix the science with that you know and back that back up like bruce uh, d lipton has done that the biology of belief and i love where it meshes you know say or um uh, dr tara's for uh, she's got a book called the source and again it's she's a, a, a neuroscientist and and actually giving you the, the terminology or what's actually happening behind the we and why that's happening and i i love that so i, I want to uh, have um the quick fire round with you 15 questions where um we, we'll get the your neurotransmitters working <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh phil i'm going to ask you uh, 15 questions against the clock so it's going to be timed so i'm just going to get my, my stopwatch on there and um we're just going to I'll try to obviously say them as quickly as I can. It's going to be the or, so you choose whichever one. I hope I speak clearly enough. Or the first thing that comes into your mind. And no pressure, but obviously you'll be in time. So it's as quick as you can do it. So are you ready for it? Yep. Okay. So fly or sail? Sail. Beer or water? Water. Ice cream or chocolate? Chocolate. Cardio or weights? Cardio. Favorite color? Green. Food you can't stand? Food I can't. Stand. Meat. You don't like. 
Yeah, that's good to say. Uh, best friend? Um, myself. Podcast or music? Music. Favorite band? Uh, Led Zeppelin. Oh, least favorite body part? Arms. Be invisible or be able to fly? Invisible. Last famous person you met? Um, Rafael Nadal. Wow. Biggest achievement? Uh, surviving so far. <laughs> A useless talent? A useless talent. Wow. Um, folding shirts. <laughs> and what would you like to be remembered for? Hopefully not that. <laughs> uh, kindness. Excellent. Well done. That was fast. That was good. Uh, so you did that in one minute and 16 seconds, spot 59. So I don't think you're at the top, but I think you, you're certainly up there. That, that was quite quick. So how did you find that? Yeah, good. Good. <laughs> Excellent. So um, obviously I want to wrap up the podcast. Um, so Phil, I want you to uh, tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm primarily uh, in terms of social, I'm on, uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at mush nutrition. That's the company. That's my company that I, that, that I go through um, that I work with all with my athletes through. Um, so yeah, at Mush Nutrition and my website is again, mushnutrition.com. So that's, you can find all my contact details there. You can DM me on through Instagram. That's the easiest. Cool. Cool. And out of your contacts, Phil, so you'll know this question was coming. Who would you be happy to introduce this podcast to, or that would be happy to be a guest of mine? Um, there are two people. There's Lewis Robling, who is a former professional rugby player, now turned ultra runner. Um, and he and I have been working together for the past couple of months now, weeks, months, um, getting him prepped for a 125k run across Scotland in May, and then a 250 in August. So, um, so yeah, no, he's, a, he's a great guy and he's got a, he's got an endeavor called Cocabana, which is sustainable. Basically it's a sustainable line of, um, recycled and repurposed coconut products, it's coconut bowls, bamboo straws, utensils, that kind of thing. And oh, he and I have come a, across him. Uh, super, super good guy. Um, and we've got a we've got a project in the works without unveiling too much of it. It's just about um, kind of doing sort of something ultra and something sustainable. So um, as as a kind of multi day event. So so he would be a good person. And another guy to talk to would be a guy called Manuel Bergman, who is the founder of a thing called Coaching for Cause. And that's a that's an endeavor that I'm also involved with, and they are also based around sustainability. And they have different coaches. They basically offer coaching for people who are wanting to make some lifestyle changes toward sustainability, whether that's plant-based nutrition, zero waste living, sustainable travel. There's a, a different. Each coach has his specificity. 
and and it's all it's all put together under this one umbrella called coaching for cause and he's the guy who kind of heads that up and puts that together so so he's an interesting interesting cat as well they they yeah sound like two great great individuals that would be awesome we'll have to have a quick catch up after the then about that i mean that that's yeah cool um, and I do think I've come across that guy because uh, I remember seeing that about the products. Um, so that, that's awesome. That, that would be fantastic. It's funny how things tend to eventually uh, not collide, but come together. So uh, that, that would be awesome. It's all about it's all about creating a community. You can you can have the best idea and the best intentions and the best actions. If you're doing it by yourself, it's always going to be in a pod. It's always going to be limited. It's broadening it out sharing things with like-minded people and one connection leads to another and one interaction leads to another. And that's how change happens. It's, it's individual voices, but it's individual voices talking to each other. So, yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. Um, I, and I absolutely love doing the podcast for that very reason. So I'm really grateful for those introductions. So thank you. Uh, so out of 10 with one being pants and 10 being perfectly splendid, how would you rate this episode? Um, I would say, I would say on your end of things, I would give you a very solid 10. On my end of things, I would say mid-level eight, <laughs> tending, toward, tending towards a nine. Now, just because I always think, I always think there's, there's something better to do. I always think there's, I always think there's another, an extra step to take. I always think there's, you know, if you reach 10, you go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, you know, I, I threw the hammer and I hit the bell and I'm, I'm out. You know, so I know because you got Serena Williams. You know, got hit bell so many times. I think <laughs> you know it only just gets harder and harder and harder. But that's just giving me a little in to say, right, okay, then you have to come back. <laughs> with pleasure, with pleasure. Yeah, we, we didn't we didn't even, even get a chance to touch on the whole sports nutrition aspect of things. <laughs> no, no, exactly. But, um, yeah, so so maybe we'll do a, a complete episode on that and and then go down a different genre. But I did obviously want to speak about you so obviously your book you are beautiful is available obviously on amazon and, and you know on your website i i take it as well yeah i mean if you get in touch on the website i can i can get one sent out to you but the easiest and the quickest is to go directly through amazon because it's sure. it's basically i mean that's that's kind of a tour like a two-day kind of turnaround so that's the quickest sure. and easiest Sure, sure. Well, I'm just going to leave uh, with an outro quote uh, by Judy Garland, and uh, this might be pretty apt, but be a, um, a first-rate version of yourself and not a second-rate version of someone else. Spot on. I quite like that one as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Food for thought. But I just want to say thank you so much again for coming on. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and I feel like I could just you know there's so much knowledge and information i'd love to just hear and hear and hear i think it would be like i would you know in essence to have this dinner party of all of the podcast guests that would be just amazing but it would have to go on for about a month (laughs) so i would want to be listening and absorbing listening and absorbing but thank you so much for coming on phil i've really enjoyed having you and obviously we will definitely have to repeat this again well natasha thanks so much for having me and it would be a pleasure to come back and and talk on a different topic be lovely thank you thanks I just love talking uh, to uh, great guests and I particularly like talking about nutrition. Obviously, this is the planted mindset, which is plant-based. So talking about uh, a plant-based diet and and the reasons and benefits of why it 
good for us um, is absolutely fascinating. We didn't actually get a chance to delve into the nutrition for, for fitness athletes that Phil actually coaches. So um, he's actually said um, he'd love to come back and record another episode. So I'm super delighted that we will bring another episode in due course that will be particularly about the diet, obviously, for those fitness athletes, you know, how to get the most out of your body uh, by the food you eat. And I just think it's absolutely fascinating that, you know, medicine is food and that when diet is wrong, uh, medicine is of no use. Um, so um, the Ayurveda philosophy that, you know, when diet's correct, medicine is of no need. Um, we have more power over our bodies than we perhaps sometimes realize um, by the, the, the decisions that we make, the foods that we ingest on a daily basis. So, you know, maybe be mindful, have a look at your diet, see which foods that you could reduce, which obviously the, the key one is, is sugar. Uh, and the other one, as I've said in, in previous episodes of the two things that we all can do, whether you're plant based or not, is reduce our sugar and increase our fiber. Um, and just by taking a look at the diet um, with those two things, um, that absolutely will um, go towards uh, making you feel better. Um, and obviously, when you feel better, um, those positive steps, you know, become easier and easier and easier. And you'll probably delve into it i mean obviously if you are looking to to lose weight there's lots of um different strategies so remember that one size doesn't fit all find the one that works for you and resonates with you because if it's something that you enjoy um you're more likely to stick to it and i prefer to sort of pull away from that word of, of going on a diet i mean diet is the nutritional food choices that we make on a daily basis and ultimately we're all looking to just be healthy um, and have a, a healthier lifestyle so it's not something that we go on for a, a set period of time but it's just a way of life that we um, obviously adopt and by making these small, small little changes over time you're sort of hardwiring those behaviors and those actions to make it easier um, and then you find that it's it's a subconscious choice, not a conscious choice. Um, but like anything, it is about consistency. And with any results that we're after, it's often thought from, you know, wanting to get a six pack that it's about all of the training. But it really isn't. It's it's all about the nutrition. So, you know, working out is absolutely, you know, fantastic and important for all of the myriad of reasons but it is actually the diet that we do have to look into. So I'm, I really enjoyed this episode with Phil and I'm super excited to obviously be recording another one with him. Um, but obviously we do have a competition. So as always with the competition, if you want to be in to win, um, again, this is um, a coaching call with Phil. Again, you know, uh, as you heard in the intro, uh, a, a super um, intelligent guy with so much expertise and knowledge behind him so I'm sure would be able to give some help helpful hints and tips on, on that coaching call for for whatever your particular goal is so if you're looking to win what do you need to do <laughs> well if you thought the episode was five star then leave a written review about that particular episode uh, on iTunes stating what you enjoyed the most uh, to be in with the chance to win 
The winner will be drawn at random and posted on the Planted Mindset Podcast Instagram account the following week after this podcast has been aired. The entry requirements. So you need to follow Mush Nutrition and the Planted Mindset. Um, both uh, Instagram accounts are in the show notes. So follow us both on Instagram. Then you will need to head over to iTunes and type out your written review of what you enjoyed most in the episode. And then remember, 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 <laughs> snap a copy of the review and then share this on your IG stories, tagging us both in uh, with the hashtag also the Planted Mindset Podcast. You must remember to tag us in uh, so that we obviously can pick that up and then you will go into the draw and someone, a lucky winner, will be picked at random uh, to win that coaching call and be notified the following week. As always, if you have any particular questions, um, then do feel free to drop me a DM on the Planted Mindset podcast. Even if it's just to say hi or that you're enjoying the shows or if you have a burning question and then uh, depending on what it is, and based on the guests that I have on, I will slip that question in and I will give you a mention. So I just want to say thank you for listening to these podcasts. I, as you know, I thoroughly enjoy recording them. I'm super grateful for these guests to, to give their time to me that I get this opportunity to have a one-to-one -one discussion with them, which is pretty cool, um, and then share it with you guys. So, yeah, if you're really enjoying, show, the, show us the love by dropping us a DM or, or obviously literally sharing these episodes to, to people that you believe they will resonate with um, and that will help the algorithm and obviously the show grow over time so it can impact more people uh, where they can pick up you know obviously these great little snippets of um, hints tips and advice so until the next time have a great day